Which college football running backs have big-time potential but late-round grades? Well, my next guest knows, and he breaks them all down right here. It's time for the College Football Legends Podcast. The players. We're going to hit somebody, and we're taking downfield for a touchdown. I guarantee you that. The coaches. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The plays. There goes Davis! Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back! And so much more. College football legends. Heroes come and go, but legends live forever. Believe in college football legends on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Chris Smith. Give me a follow on Twitter at the Sports Jesus. That's at the Sports Jesus. The NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball are in full swing. So you need to head to Bet Online. Look, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, so it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Some running backs make you stand up and take notice, while others take a little bit longer. Selecting players in the draft is an art form, and most successful teams are able to hit on late-round picks. Like when the Bears landed Jackson State's Walter Payton in the fourth round. And as we know, sweetness went on to greatness. And how about sixth-round pick Terrell Davis? He went on to win two Super Bowls for the Broncos, and the list is filled with stars like the Falcons' seventh-round pick, Jamal Anderson, the Dirty Bird himself. The Eagles' Wilbur Montgomery was nabbed in the sixth round, and the Chiefs' Priest Holmes, who went undrafted in 1997. So we dig out this year's Diamonds in the Rough with my special guest on the show, Eric Froton, college football analyst and podcaster for NBC Sports Edge and Fan Tracks. Give him a follow on Twitter at CF Froton. That's F R O T O N. Thanks for joining me, Eric. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk about college football. Yeah, it's what we love to do. Exactly. And speaking of the articles, you have some great ones and podcasts on NBC Sports Edge. And one ongoing series that caught my eye was on the sleepers in the upcoming NFL draft. So let's get into that ground game with some undervalued running backs. As you mentioned in your article, NFL draft running back sleepers. You sifted through the late round undrafted free agents like James Robinson of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the target players that fit the NFL standard. What is the NFL standard to you? NFL standard for me is at least 5'11", at least 215 pounds. You have to be there. You have to have at least that 215. If I'm, to take the pounding. I really want to be targeted to be able to handle the pounding. You saw, and, and you know, you'll see some comparisons with some of the running backs in this class, such as you know, Kenneth Gainwell is on the smaller side. Uh, Demetric Feltrin has the ability to kind of go in and out if you want him to be a slot or not. Javian Hawkins. Um, you know, you have some some pretty trendy small receiver. Puka Williams is extremely small. He's like a buck seventy. Um, yeah, great some, nickname. Some running backs, <laughs> yes, running backs on the smaller side that you're seeing that are, are you know getting top ten recognition. But when it comes in the later rounds, you generally don't see the later round diminutive types are the ones that translate. You see the ones that hit are in have that athletic profile where you're at least in that two fifteen range or above. Because you can at least be able to take the pounding. You know, so I try to look when I'm projecting down the board, who's somebody that's going to have the size and, you know, the physical stature to be able to, one, handle the pounding, 
And then you get into, you know, can they catch the ball? How did they dominate their running back room themselves? You know, what was the circumstance behind that running back room? What did they do in terms of their advanced metrics, elusiveness? Uh, how do they run between tackles outside? You get into the full boat. Um, but at the very least, I, I, I want to see somebody who's sturdy enough to take that pounding. Because if you're not, you just, you're destined for gadget work. And if I'm if I want to be projecting somebody down the board that far for fantasy purposes, I want to at least look for somebody who can be on the the field at least for two downs, preferably three. Yeah, well, you definitely had some big backs in your articles. One that should be getting some more attention is Ramon J. Stevenson out of Oklahoma. What isn't to like about this bruising back? Well, if you're, we're talking about what's not to like, it's it's simply this article was written before his pro day workout and. He was playing at times in around 240 during the season, which is remarkable considering how elusive he was. He got a PFF elusiveness grade, 12th back in the cl- 12th best in the country for PFF's elusiveness rating with a 140.6 mark. That was better than Michael Carter, who had a 135.1. And when you think about shiftiness, I, I, I definitely think about Michael Carter. Yeah, exactly. He was pretty <laughs> exceptional catching the ball and. and God, you're 5'7", but he just knows how to duck behind those tackles. He was great. I really like him, obviously. But for the purpose of this article, he's too highly wrecked. So um, you look at that sort of ability to miss tackles and 26% dominator rating after he came back. He took over a a pretty pretty good, well-regarded running back room at Ohio State, excuse me, at Oklahoma, and just shoved everyone else out of the way. So... You know, I, I love seeing that for somebody who's 240 pounds. When he went to his pro days, testing out, weighed in 5'11", 227, which is perfect. That's no problem. That's right where I like yeah, him right to be. You, right where you were saying. Right in my wheelhouse. And But the, the problem was he ran like a 4, 6, you know, and, and changed 40, unofficial. And you got it. I want to see under I, – I want to see my running backs as close to that 4 or 5 mark as I can possibly get, despite the fact he's got that size, because you're going to be – you're going to get chased down. You, from behind at the yeah. NFL level, they're too fast. You know, if you're a four six, you know, to be able to get through that hole, get through that burst. So the 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 issue with him is he doesn't have the, you know, the, the impressive physical athletic profile. You know, the the relative athletic score that you want to see from just a total freak of nature running back. Because I'm firmly in the camp that running backs are born, you know, and then you know cultivated as opposed to made. Because you have to be a freak of nature to be able to get hit from 300 pound men. <laughs> yes. Your fellow freaks of nature. Well, and some of those other linebackers and, and every time. running yeah, four sixes on their own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have fun with that. Sure. You know, good, good luck, you know, so you have to have that kind of a profile, but what's amazing about Stevenson is he's so productive. He's, he's got a good athletic profile, you know, for his size. But he was so productive with it. He was so dominant. 4.65 yards after contact average over his entire two seasons with Oklahoma. He's just, he's rolling through people. And he's got enough, and watch with his, you know, he's got a nice little side step. Um, he resets up his blocks well. He's a savvy runner. You know, he's, he's got a good football IQ in terms of his sets of blocks. His ability, he can catch the ball too, which you don't even think of it when you're dealing you know, with a bruiser. Yeah. You don't even realize it. But he actually had the third highest um, receiving grade of this entire draft class. He had an 83.8 this year. <laughs> I was third behind only Kenneth Gainwell, who we mentioned, and Javante Williams. I mean, 
okay, yeah, I, I'm okay with being third to Kenneth Gainwell, you know, when it comes to receiving ability, because that guy, he's an all-purpose guy. He's he's a, a total, complete, all-purpose style back, if that's what you're looking for. You know, he's not going to go between the tackles every time, but, man, I could see a good OC get really creative with him. So the fact that two really upper echelon receiving running backs, he's third in the class in terms of the best rig, that, that tells you – a lot of what you need to know, you know, 18 receptions at 211 yards, 11.7 yards for catch average. That's pretty darn good being in, you know, double digits coming out of the backfield. Unreal. So um, he's a more complete back on tape than you really expect to see from somebody who's in, you know, as we're talking about outside of the top 10 fringe top 10 running back. I think you can see him produce as running back five, six, seven, uh, even with the athletic profile that isn't, you know, the freak of nature that you look for finished product from an NFL running back. The production is there. The tape looks great. A little slow. 29 is vertical. And, you know, where it was at. You want to see more, obviously. Sure. But um, we're talking about value. We're talking about the fifth, sixth, seventh round. And for what he did and what he's capable of dominating, a, a, a you know, a Power five backfield, um, looking clearly above everyone else. He pushed Trey Sermon out of yeah. <laughs> That's a tough thing to Think do. Back, he sent yeah. him off to Ohio State. Yep, they, they pushed him right out. Trey Sermon got in the dog doghouse, and Lincoln Riley just said, "Wow, Stevenson does everything that Trey Sermon does." Okay, well, Trey, you're sitting on the bench. Adios, go over to Ohio State and proceed to dominate in the Big Ten game title game against uh, Northwestern, and then obviously against. Clemson looked amazing. So, you know, that that alone tells you, all right, well, if he's pushing out a guy in Trey Sermon who is a former four-star, top five uh, running back recruit out of his class, he's got something. You know, so I, I feel like that's definitely something you got to pay attention to. And he, he could be a nice little little uh, diamond in the rough, little blue chipper you find in the late rounds. I like that diamond in the rough. And we're speaking with Eric Froton, college football analyst and podcaster for NBC Sports, and another well-built back. Elijah Mitchell of Louisiana, I know you're high on him. Is he a three-down back at the next level? I think so. I, in fact, there's an, another guy who, he the past few years, he didn't get used in the passing game quite as often as he did his first season, where he's kind of playing, you know, you're coming up in 2018 as a sophomore. He's trying to carve himself out a role in uh, Louisiana, where head coach Billy Napier, who for years has been uh, – you know, had that program picked it up and has it in uh, one of the class organizations of the entire group of five. Uh, they beat Iowa State this year. Yeah. ULL beat Iowa, Iowa State. State. They won the Big 12 <laughs> title game. So you're talking about, I mean, it's a class organization, first rate. You know that he, there's going to be talent in that room. He rotates three backs. Raymond Calais was a seventh-round pick last year. He was like the scat back who was in that, that backfield 2018 and 2019. So, you know, uh, alongside Trey Regis, who is also another back that's uh, graduated or you know, came out this year and has similar physical dimensions to Mitchell. So he had to find a way to, you know, do a little bit of everything and get on the field any way you can in 2018. Well, he did. And how he did it was he caught 20 of the 21 passes that were thrown his way as a true sophomore for 349 yards and three touchdowns, averaging 17.4 yards per catch <laughs> as a running back. Yeah, exactly. Not we're not talking wide receiver. We're talking running back. 
Yeah, that's that's some that's some serious production, and that's big. I mean, he earned an eighty-five point zero PFF receiving grade, and as we talked about Ramondre Stevenson, you know, he was he was in the eighty-three. I believe uh, Javante Williams eighty-three point nine, and this is for twenty twenty. You go back to twenty eighteen, and if you're looking for the best single season, uh, you know, receiving grades of this class of running backs, he's in the top five in terms of single season grades. So. Despite the fact that you look at him and the guy kind of comps you a little bit, he kind of reminds me of Samaje Piran, where he's got he he's got a nice thick lower body, he's got a big bubble, you know, and yep. you see him run and you see guys who try to dive at his hips and they bounce right off him. He's he's too, right in that range that I like to have. He's at two fifteen and two twenty, five eleven. He's got a nice burst. I can't wait to see what he runs at his at his pro day, but. You know, I, I feel like if he's in that four or five range, you're going to see him going rocking up the boards because he can go between the tackles. He, he's a nice one-cut style runner where you see him, he sits, you know, he identifies the hole and he bursts through it, and he, he blows right through arm tackles. Like, good luck with that. Have some fun. <laughs> and he played well against the best competition. It was hard in the Sun Belt to really try to, to uh, you know, project that up. But he uh, he he... he gave Coastal Carolina a great team that we saw this season. All sure. they could handle, two touchdowns, 112 yards, 7.9 yards per carry. Uh, a similar great showing against Appalachian State. It's another top-tier defense. Um, his elusiveness rating, despite the fact that he's 5'10", you know, 5'11", 215, 220, you know, a nice 120.7 elusiveness rating, which marks the sixth best mark amongst draft eligible running backs from this class. And again, we'll go to yards after contact average, something I really like to look at when I'm projecting. 4.4 uh, yards at, uh, after contact, which is literally tied for with Trey Sermon for the eighth best single season uh, of the 2021 class. You know, So you're talking about what he did and the traits that I like to see in terms of pro- projection, his burst, acceleration, I mean, his ability to catch the ball is extremely underrated. He had actually an incredible catch against Iowa State. Um, you know, did really well out of the backfield against them this season. Again, playing it up against competition. I think that you could see him come in and make some waves uh, in an NFL room. And, gosh, I, I don't see any reason why. I, I'd definitely take him in the fifth round. But you're probably going to be able to get him in the sixth or seventh. Yeah. Well, I can see why you're really high on him. And, you also reported he drew praise at the Senior Bowl for his quickness and power. And we have more college football legends right after this. The sun is out, so it's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Canon. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. The Japanese optics make the lenses clearer, lighter, stronger, and the Italian handcrafted frames are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code CANONCAST15 at canon.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5, Canon. Clearly better. Support for our podcast is brought to you by Just Live, a trusted source for high-quality wellness CBD products created by athletes just for you. Look, we all have issues with sleep, focus, energy, stress, and immune health. That's why Just Live came out with their new CBD gummy line with six flavors, plus it's vegan and low sugar. Just Live was founded by professional athletes Clay Thompson, Alex Morgan, Travis Pastrana, and Paul Rodriguez because they wanted to create a CBD product they could trust and stand behind. Go to the website justlive.com and use the code SUPPORT to get the buy one, get one free of the new gummies. 
That's buy one, get one free at justlive.com and use the code SUPPORT. This is the College Football Legends Podcast. I'm Chris Smith, and we're speaking with Eric Froton, college football analyst and podcaster for NBC Sports Edge. And another non-Power 5 back is Spencer Brown of UAB. Is his value being an early down goal line smash mouth running back? You certainly. I mean, if, if you're looking for somebody who's a pounder, I mean, thy name is Spencer Brown, 6'2", 230 pounds. And again, you know, it comes back to with the smaller school running backs, what did you do when you were there? How productive were you? And Spencer Brown, from the time he set foot in campus, he was the man in the UAB backfield, bar none. Ran the show, you know, four straight years of, of carrying the load. You know, even as a sophomore, you're, you're looking at the carries he he was vlogging. He has on this body. Um, it's understandable why some of the criticism he his star diminished slightly in 2019 because he wore down a little bit. Sure. I mean, my gosh, it's a lot of years. Uh, a lot of years. He his first season, 2017. He put up 250 carries, 1329 yards, 5.3 YPC, and 10 touchdowns. But I mean, 250 carries is a true freshman coming yeah. all in. Freshman All American. Yeah, right out of the gate. As a sophomore, he carried over 20, 20 carries nine times. With, I mean, and he even eclipsed the 250. He ran 272 times as a sophomore, you know, put up 17 total touchdowns. First team, all CUSA, you know, uh, conference championship MVP, ran for 156 yards over Middle Tennessee in a hotly contested contest. You know, this is 2018. He's already got, you know, 522 carries on his odometer mm. and he's you know only a, a junior so you know as no surprise as you might imagine he broke down a little bit in 2019 sure a bad high ankle sprain which you saw happen to chuba hubbard this season totally the real chuba says it season this season getting a high ankle sprain you know you just can't push up you just can't pivot the way you want to anybody who's had one can tell you um and it drastically affected uh his his availability because he you know he went out and he was doing the same thing he, he logged 78 carries in his first four games, and then he only had 72 carries over his final nine after the, you know, the injury. So, you know, I, I, I'm more than willing to give him a mulligan for 2019, you know, and then he comes back in, in, in 2020, and he's carrying the mail again. You know, same thing. They only played eight games. He had 20-plus carries in six of those eight. 100-yard games in six of those eight games. Um, you know, they, they played against Miami. Not, not Miami, Ohio. They played against the Miami. U. Okay. The U. The U. Serious Manny Diaz coach defense. You, you, I mean, you look. all you have to do is do a little edge and, and outside linebacker work for this draft. Oh, we got Quincy Roche. Oh, we got Greg Rousseau. Oh, bring in Jalen Phillips from UCLA. Okay, we're talking about some serious, bad-ass dudes that they have on that defense with an and, and a coach, a head coach of Mendez, that's reputation for calling a game is, is beyond reproach in defensive side. Mm-hmm. Offense, well, you know, luckily Brian Rett last year for that this season. It wasn't so good. Yeah, the Mike Enos era of 2019, not so hot. But, yeah, that's, that's neither here nor there. Defense, though. So, defense, um, you know, 16 carries, 74 yards and a touchdown, uh, just pounding away at a top-notch Miami defense. Pretty nice showing behind an offensive line that had their hands full. He's out there grinding. Um, in one of the other, you know, the best teams, 
the aforementioned Louisiana. He rang up 149 yards and, uh, excuse me, uh, forget about Louisiana. Yeah, he had 140 against Louisiana, but he dropped 149 in the conference CSA championship game <laughs> against Marshall, who Marshall always has one of the best defenses at the G5 level. Sure. And he absolutely tore them apart. And that was the last game film we got to see. He even finished out his career with, I mean, there's not 87 carries over his last three games. Ah. He's, I mean, the guy is 4,000 4, yard rusher, 19, 100 yard games, 42 touchdowns over his career. Like you said, we, you know, he was, he was affected in 2019. The man produces, he's, he, he's there, you know, he can do it. Is he the most elusive guy? No. You know, are you going to be using him as your stat back? You know, obviously not. But if you want somebody who can be that dependable, thunder part of a thunder and lightning combo, which you know, most of the backfields in the NFL dish nowadays, they're going with some sort of sure. backfield rotation anyhow. Combo. Very, very few three down. Yeah, of course. You're not going to get that out of Spencer Brown. But my gosh, he's not. He's a guy you're not going to be bummed out about having on your roster. If somebody goes down, he's going to be able to go in there and credibly take 15 carries and be able to, you know, advance the ball forward and push the pile, you know. Um, so he's going to. I see him as that sort of a role, certainly being able to fill in the NFL. And I got to, I got to think he'll have a couple, two, three years at least to be able to squeeze some juice out of him at the NFL level with that sort of a, you know, an acumen when it comes to the doing the dirty work. Yeah, and what some team is going to love about him: ball security. You wrote that he fumbled only three times in the last three years, spanning that 603 carries. Unbelievable. Well, you got to check out more on NBCSports.com. And we're speaking with Eric Froton, college football analyst and podcaster for NBC Sports Edge. You can check out Stevie Scott. Oh, you got a great article about him, but you're going to have to go and read it. All right, it's time to go for two. Get that kicker out of there. Two final points. That's right. Two lighter questions to close out our interview. You're a Patriots fan. What position would you like to see them address first in the draft? Oh, well, would I like to see them address? <laughs> I would like to see them address not bringing Cam Newton back. But <laughs> as that is, you know, that, that's all right. I, you, get, you get tired of seeing worm balls. Anytime he rolls left, he's literally spiking the ball on the ground. He, he just couldn't do it last year. Uh, I, have, I have questions about his shoulder, and he's just trying to I don't think he can do it anymore. But... Um, I don't think there's going to be the value there. I don't want to see him take Mac Jones at 15 because I, I feel like he, you can find Mac Jones later on. You know, sure. that's not a 15 overall pick. And you have some just blue chip, uh, blue chip receivers in this class. I previously mentioned Kyle Pitts, obviously Devontae Smith, uh, Jalen Waddle. I adore. Everybody's the guy jumping, flying, uh, or at least the name that I've been hearing the most. Well, you got to remember Jalen Waddle. For the first game, four games of the season, had 100 yards receiving each game, and he was the guy everybody was talking about before he went and got rolled up on a you know a kick return yeah. in the first play of the game against Tennessee. First four weeks of the season, everybody was talking about Jalen Waddle. Before even the year before, the entire camp of summer camp, Jalen Waddle was the story in 2019. He was just there with with the greatest wide receiver class in history from a recruiting standpoint with you know rugs. Judy, Devontae. <laughs> Unreal. You know, great. Oh, congrats, congratulations. You got to deal with them. But, um, you know, he is electric. I mean, he fast switch for days. He's explosive in everything he does. 
and I, I I would absolutely love to get him. So I mean, if they if they had the opportunity to get Jamar Devontae, uh, you know Jalen Waddle, I, I doubt Pitts will be there. But any of those four guys, for the lack of skill position talent they have on the outside, they whiffed with Nikhil Harry, too slow. Uh, you know, not not a crafty enough for a runner. It's not going to work for him. And uh, just everyone else is just a nobody. Nobody. Is Jameer Bird, you kidding me? You know, get out of here. So I'd love to see him get a, a playmaker on the outside that you can really hang your hat on since there's no way you're going to get Lance. You know, I don't think Lance – I don't think any of those top four quarterbacks are getting out of the top ten. So I, I don't think it's, it's going to be smart for them to go and reach for Matt Jones as opposed to just solidifying everything. That being said – Bill Belichick will take the best defensive player to slip. Uh, he always I think that's does. End up Trades back too many times before you know you yeah. have 30 picks. <laughs> right, exactly. He's just going to – I think he'll probably take just the best defensive player he sees there and rolls with it. And I, if Micah Parsons were to slip, I don't think there's any way that like his skill set, they'd, they'd let him go. I just don't think they'd let him go. Yeah, he'd fit per- uh, I, perfectly. I think I depends. saw it maybe – Jeremiah or Brugler, I forget somebody put him, mocked him there. I almost fainted. They will take Mike Parsons. I'm okay with that. I'll take Cam for another year if I get Parsons. And finally, I'm a foodie. So what would be one legendary place to grab a meal around your alma mater, the University of Massachusetts, Boston? Oh, yeah. You want to go down the south end. You want to give me the north end. You want to go to the north end, right, near near. UMass Boston, you okay. want to be in North End, and you can pretty much pick any Italian restaurant in the North End, and it's going to be super. Really? Excellent. Oh, God, it's famous. The North End's pizzerias, um, you know, the Italian cuisine is just, that's where you go if you want to have just a, a top-notch uh, meal. So I would say, you know, it's been a while since I've been there. I want to name a place where you can It could be close. <laughs> you can't go wrong anywhere in the North End. It's a wonderful setting. You know, it's got the the old cobblestone streets. It's just uh, that's what I. It feels authentic. Feels uh, you know, feels the real deal. I, I would advise anybody just to get out in the North End for a dinner. All right, North End is the place to go in Beantown, and we've been speaking with Eric Froton, uh, college football analyst and podcaster for NBC Sports Edge and Fan Tracks, pumping out the knowledge for college fantasy football. So you give him a follow on Twitter at CF. Froton. That's F-R-O-T-O-N. Thanks for joining me, Eric. Appreciate it. Thank you. And of course, Believe in College Football Legends is presented by Bet Online. Thanks for listening to the Believe in College Football Legends podcast. Make sure to check out all the prior episodes with Heisman winners, legendary coaches, and sports personalities reliving the greatest plays. You can tweet your questions at the Sports Jesus and join us next week because it will be legendary.